Who's ready to look back into what Peter has to say to us? Book of 1 Peter, you can turn there. We'll, we'll read a text in a little while. Um, have you been li- liking this? 1 Peter? Every time I write, if you the sermon, I think I walk out of my office and say to Suzanne, or what do I say? <laughs> Something along the lines of, Peter's tough. <laughs> I mean, like he's tough. I told Suzanne, I was working on the outline for, for next week's sermon. I got done and she said, wow, something like, that's like an old Pentecostal message. And uh, Peter just lays it on. That's what I love about Peter. If you think about Peter, he's that guy who's like, um, shoot first and ask questions later kind of a guy, you know. And uh, that, that's kind of Peter. And, and he got in trouble all the time because of that. I've always identified with Peter. I get it. But guess what? He's the one Jesus chose out of the 12 to say, you're going to speak on Pentecost. I'm going to make you a leader. You're going to be the head of the church in Jerusalem. And, uh, and he's just got amazing things to say here. So today, as we uh, look at this letter that the Apostle Peter wrote, let's remember something. He's writing this letter to a group of Christians who have been scattered to various countries because of the persecution. Um, they have been, because they're Christians, they don't fit in. And they're having problems, and they're forced because of persecution to flee to different places. And where we come to in the letter today, and this is why the structure matters, I'm going to explain the structure a little bit here. Um, We come to a transition point today in the letter, kind of he's done an introduction. We've looked at three weeks, an introduction so far. Now week four is a transition point. Up to now, Peter was giving us, or giving us and them, kind of foundation principles or stones upon which Christians can stand um, so that we can stand firm, and then we can also, because here's the point of his book, it's going to be his letter from here on out, you don't just stand, you advance. How are you going to advance in the, in the kingdom? And so the first three weeks, so the first three paragraphs we dealt with, all dealt with a principle that he said, he reminded them of. He said, remember, they're struggling, and you'd think he'd go, oh, poor Poopsie, he doesn't. He goes, let's just tell you the truth about who you are. And week one, remember what he said? Week one, he said, he told them about their identity in Christ. And he told them, you know what, you know, if you're a child of God, you're a chosen alien. And that was really important. He said, number one, we talked about it three weeks ago, you're chosen by God. Man, celebrate, you're chosen by God. But number two, in this world, you're an alien. You don't fit. You don't belong here. You're never going to fit in. And friends, if you'll get that point right there, your life's going to be a whole lot easier. If you recognize that you're going, you just learn to be discom- uncomfortable in this world, um, that's the way it is. If you're always wrestling like, I just don't fit in, guess what? You don't. Um, if you serve Jesus, you don't fit in because we march to the beat of a different drummer. And that was the very first thing that Peter says to them. So you're, you're chosen aliens. Number the second thing he said is, and this is a tough one because they were going through it. They were struggling. And he said this, your, your struggles have a purpose. That God is using your difficulty to develop your character. He's making you better. He's proving your character, and he's making you grow deeper. And it's this, this wrong thinking. We talked about the wrong thinking in the church world so often, that, that suffering is always bad, and then when things go wrong, somehow God's abandoned me. And Paul, Peter's going, baloney. He's like, look at Jesus suffered. Peter himself is crucified upside down for his faith. That suffering is part of human existence, and that God doesn't cause that, but he uses it as a Christian to cause us to develop and grow in our faith. That was the second thing we stood upon. Then the third thing, the third week we talked about the idea that he just said this, celebrate your great salvation. He took time to examine what's our salvation. He's talking about our salvation by grace. And he said, this is what God's done for you. He's like, just 
stop whining for a second and, and celebrate. Look what God has done for you. It was his plan all along. And we talked about how it was his plan and that the spirit of Jesus had been saying this plan was going to happen all through all the prophets. And that's what he said. The spirit of Jesus was saying, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. So it's going to happen. And so he orchestrated this whole long plan to give us this gift of salvation through Christ. So those are the, the, like the building blocks or the stepping stones that he laid out. Now, today, we come to this transition point. Peter is basically saying that as we are standing upon this foundation, these three principles, now let's move forward in the kingdom of God. And interesting, when he says that, what he addresses about our moving forward is who we become. And you would think the first thing he'd say is, well, now move forward. Here's what you should do. That's not what he does. He talks about who we are becoming, knowing that that is the most important thing about our lives in the kingdom, that as we interact with the world, that at least um, knowing that we are different uh, in, in a hostile world, that we understand that, that who we're becoming matters because who we are is always going to be different, that we don't fit. And we've been talking about that, that we don't fit in this world. We're like square pegs in a round hole. So as we read our text today, let's understand Peter is now transitioning to writing about who we are becoming and that who we are becoming doesn't fit in the world, but it's amazing. So now, with all that introduction, look at chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. What's the first word? Therefore, that's really important. We'll talk about it in a second. Therefore, based on what you read, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which, you, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, what was the word he started with there? Therefore. In other words, he's saying, based on what I just said to you, let's now do this new thing. Based on the foundation you're standing on, Let's move forward in becoming the kind of people that God plans for us to become. And notice here from the text how he frames our moving forward. If you look at it, pay attention to what we just read. He's basically saying this. He approaches it from the inside out. He approaches it from the inside of our life out. Verse 13 is about what we can be like on the inside, our mind and our heart. And then he then moves to the outside our behavior, how we act. And friends, this is such an important concept for us to come to terms with. God always starts on the inside of a person, our heart and our mind. And what we usually want to do with people is start on the outside. Just clean up these things. Just stop doing these things. But Peter's going, that's not how God does it. God starts on the inside. He starts with the heart and the mind. Jesus, Jesus himself says that everything flows from the inside. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus said it like this. He said, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. He says the things that, that are bad about a person in this situation come out of the heart. So the, one's life flows from the inside, whether that's good or bad. In Proverbs, it says this in the 23rd Proverb, the Proverb writer says this, as a man thinks in his 
heart, so is he. This is what Peter is getting at in verse 13. What we are like on the inside. And he's helping us to see how we can advance, mature on the inside, that we can actually grow our hearts and our minds. And look at the the first thing he says here. We're just going to break this, a lot of our time just breaking this first verse down. How does he say we can address the the interior life here? First thing he says is this. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. He starts with our minds. What we think about. He starts with our minds. What do we think about? He says to prepare our minds. In other words, we can give attention to our minds. We can give attention to what our minds think on. Do you realize that you are in control of what you think on? I would say this. I think we live our lives as if we have no control over what we think on. Our minds usually just run rampant and run undisciplined. And we don't think on what we think on. We don't think about what we think about, right? You are not a slave to your mind. Um, That one thing right there, maybe more than anything else, sets mankind apart from all of the rest of creation that we have the power to choose what we think on. And that what we think on makes all the difference. What's the Proverbs say? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the first and most important step in spiritual maturing is our choosing what we think on. If you think on wonderful and beautiful and grateful and godly things, guess what? You move in that direction. Paul, the apostle writing to the church at Philippi, said this, Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, what? Think on these things. As Peter is helping um, mistreated Christians here move in a direction, remember what he's doing here. We've talked about it for three weeks. What he's helping them do is move beyond being identified by their problems. As he's helping his Christians move beyond being identified, well, I'm just this because of my problems. He's helping them move beyond. He starts with saying, let's talk about what you think about. Let's think about what you think about. And let's do that for a minute. Let's think on what we think on. This last week, I was cutting the grass. Does anybody in here like cutting the grass? Oh, cool. (laughs) Talk to me after church. (laughs) Because I don't really like cutting the grass. To me, it's always like, ugh. Susie, what do I usually say? The grass doesn't cut itself. You know, and she probably get sick of hearing it, but it's like, I got to cut the grass. We bought a small yard on purpose because it doesn't have much grass to cut, but I still have to cut the grass. The other day, I was with my little push mower, and I'm cutting the grass, which is just this mundane task that doesn't require any real thinking, right? Start the thing up and just walk in straight lines. And as I was cutting the grass, I noticed, this honestly happened, I noticed what I was thinking on. Because I'm not, I have to think about what I'm doing, and it's going to take me about 45 minutes. And I'm, I started, I noticed what I was thinking on. And here's the reality, the truth, confession time. I was thinking of negative thoughts about a certain situation that involves some certain people. 
People who had kind of had done some things that, were, that I was frustrated about, the way things were happening. And this negativism was occupying my mind. And I was thinking on what I was thinking on. I was thinking negative thoughts about some people. And I was mulling over in my head. You know what? You do it. Oh, I just, oh this is what I want to say to them. You do it. Well, if I had another chance, I'd say this to them, right? And you're thinking on it. I, didn't, I was unaware I was thinking about it. But all of a sudden, I became aware of what I was thinking on. So I said, I don't like to think that way. So, so I said to myself, self, self, stop it. Stop it. And I really said, Mark, stop it, Mark. Don't do that. It's not good. And I went on cutting the grass. Well, guess what happened? Five minutes later, I'm cutting the grass. And I realized what I'm thinking on. And I'm thinking on the exact same thoughts I was thinking on before I said, Mark, stop it. Stop thinking about this. These negative thoughts towards someone going through my mind, you know, the things I would like to say in this situation. And I remembered in that moment, cutting the grass, the words of Dallas Willard. It's on a little paper next to my desk. And I probably quoted this to you before, but it's so important to me, I hang it next to my desk. And it says this, the ultimate freedom as a human being is the power to select what we will allow our minds to dwell upon. The ultimate power is to select what we will allow our minds to dwell upon. You see, I had the freedom to make a choice. But there's more to it than just saying, stop it! Because you're saying, stop it, didn't work. Instead, what I needed to do was I needed to replace the negative thoughts with better thoughts, with positive ones. And so what I did, and this is what Dallas Willard would tell you to do, if you were still alive today, he would say, you need to begin to recite scripture that you're memorizing. And this is why I think memorizing scripture is so important. You can do the same through and through worship songs, but, but memorizing scripture, I think, is way better because we can replace our thinking on negative thoughts or bad thoughts or sinful thoughts or destructive thoughts with thinking on God thoughts you know, what Chris Comlin writes is not necessarily what God would say, so I'm going to focus on what God wrote in his word, thinking on Scripture. So what do you think was the outcome of my choice? I chose to change what I was thinking on, and I've been recently working on trying to memorize Psalm 103, and I'll tell you this, I'm the world's worst memorizer. Always have been. Some of you say, well, I can't memorize. So I have some sections of Scripture put to memory. I went through those, and I tried to start working in my mind as I'm cutting the grass on trying to remember Psalm 103. Because I've committed to myself, and it's going to take me a long time. I'm going to memorize Psalm 103. And so I started just trying to pull out Psalm 103. Matter of fact, for a while lately, I've been keeping Psalm 103 written on a piece of paper in my pocket and screenshot on my phone while I'm cutting the grass. I couldn't pull it out. So I'm trying to remember... And I'm like, I can't remember very much, so I switched to like the 23rd Psalm or things. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, things I've memorized for a long time. And, and I made a choice about what I was thinking on. Well, I believe I had a, what was the outcome of that? I believe I had a much better lawn cutting experience. I had a much more positive day from that moment on because I was aware, I was thinking on what I was thinking on. And I chose to think on a better thing than a bad thing. I believe, out of all my heart, I believe I was accomplishing kingdom of God advancement because I was moving forward spiritually, because I was becoming a better person because I was thinking on a good thing and not thinking on a negative thing. And I believe this with all my heart. I believe I made the devil mad. 
I really do. I believe I made the devil. Who thinks it's good to make the devil mad? I think I made the devil mad. Because I went from being negative towards someone that in time as I was going through scripture, I actually began to pray for that situation and that person. Instead of grumble about it in my mind. Remember, I wasn't aware of the fact I was grumbling about it in my mind until I began to think on what I was thinking on. That's what Peter's getting at here. Preparing our minds for action. Choosing to think on the right stuff is the very beginning of moving forward in kingdom development. Now, as Peter is writing about developing our interior life here, he doesn't just stop with what we're thinking on, right? In the text, verse 13, he doesn't just stop there, just think on the right stuff. He says other stuff. He moves on to what's the next thing. To the, I summarize this way, to the attitude we have towards life. Look at the second phrase in verse, in verse 13. Talks about what we think of, then he says this. Keep sober in spirit. Some of your translations say it this way. Be sober-minded. Kind of get the idea there. Being sober-minded. Kind of serious-minded or clear-minded. Peter here is making a contrast here that I think is both literal and metaphorical. I think he's, he's, he's saying it, it applies both ways. Biblically says, basically says that, basically rather, he's just saying this. In this life that you live, think on what you think on, and then your attitude towards life don't dull your senses. Don't dull the way you think about life. And it's going to explain why it's so important for these people and for us right now. And I think he's saying that both physically and spiritually. I mean, don't dull your life the way you approach life in any way. And he used the idea here of drunkenness. Be sober, he says, not drunk. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul says, you know, be filled with spirit. don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's kind of that same idea. Be sober towards life, not drunk towards life, or I would say this, not buzzed or high towards life. And we're kind of living in a world right now that's saying that's the way to approach life. Life is tough, just put a, get a buzz on. You know, we just came from the UP. There's pot shops everywhere. You know, hey, you want to deal with life? Just don't deal with it. Just get a buzz on. I think that's what he's referring to here. Obviously, physically, here's Peter saying, you don't, and this is, here's the key right here. You don't advance through difficult times, during difficult times, by dulling the pain um, through any kind of mechanism that would allow you to dull it. And it could be something like getting drunk or getting high, or uh, absorbing yourself in, in activities, you know, watching porn or whatever else could absorb, just spending the whole day, you know, glued to the TV set, whatever. He's saying you don't advance through difficult times by dulling the pain that you're experiencing. Here's a key. Escapism doesn't work. And that's what he's addressing here. Escapism, because remember, he's writing to people who are in conflict. They're literally being persecuted. They're losing their stuff. They're fleeing for their lives. And he's saying, listen, friends, to those fleeing people, escapism doesn't work. Because escapism doesn't change you. It doesn't make you better. Escapism doesn't make you stronger. It just pushes the problem down the road where they actually, because they're not dealt with, become bigger problems. You know, he's writing these people in conflict, and he knows, friends, that, that the easy path, the easy thing to do would be for them during these tough times, um, emotionally, is just to mentally and physically escape. Just light up. 
Just drink up. Just escape. He'd say, it's tough. Just escape from it. That would be the easy thing. But that doesn't make the problem go away. Here's the thing about uh, Peter here. What we want him to say is, it's all going to be better. The problems are going to go away. He never says that. He's like, no, you're a bunch of square pegs in round holes. You don't fit. You're not going to fit. It's not going to get better. But the worst thing you can do is just dull your mind and try to escape it. Because that doesn't make the problem go away. And it doesn't help us grow internally. It doesn't help us grow spiritually so that we can accomplish what he wants, so that we can stand strong in the midst of adversity and go, my God is great and I'm doing good. That's what he's trying to get us to do. He says escapism doesn't work. Dulling your mind won't make life better in the long run. That's the point he's trying to make here. Now, the next phrase that Peter writes, tells us what we can do instead of escape. Look what it says. Again, verse 13. Think about what you think on. Don't think escaping, escapism is going to work. Be sober-minded towards life. And those he say, now, this is the right, he said, don't do that, but do the right thing. Rather, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, in the midst of adversity, remember that Jesus really is alive, really is on your side, really is fighting for you, and really is coming again. See, when we fix our hope on Jesus' return, some people mistakenly think, well, that means it's just futuristic. They're like, well, that's escapism. It's not. It's not just futuristic. Yes, it is an event that will take place in the future, but get this, friends, but it is based completely upon the fact that Jesus today is alive and well and active in our lives. He can't come back if he's not alive and well. So when we fix our hope on the fact he's coming back, we're also stating the fact that he's alive and well and active today. The Bible tells us today that Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. And what's he doing? He's interceding. He's praying for you. He's active Jesus is today praying for you and for me. Because he's alive today, he will be returning to us one of these days, but he's still involved today. Friends, that's not escapism. That's knowing that no matter how difficult things are today, Jesus is alive and able to help today, and one of these days, he's coming back for us. And you know what? I hope it's today. A friend of mine sent me a text, and he's way more into hunting than I am. He sent me a text. Suzanne read it to me when I was, when I was driving, and he said, it was this little meme. The guy was, like, smiling or jumping up and down. And it says, you know what's in, was it, 10 weeks? 10 weeks? Well, 10 weeks is opening a bow season. And I wanted to send him a text back. I didn't because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. But I, she did something like thumbs up for me because I'm driving, and she's answering my texts. Um, just so you know, that happens all the time. So if you text me things about her, she reads them. Um, <laughs> And so don't say you don't like the songs. Um, But I said, what I want to text to him is, I don't care what's in 10 weeks. I want Jesus to come back today. I said, I said, just tell him. She said, maybe in 10 weeks, Jesus is coming back. I said, no, tell him, hey, that's great, but maybe he's coming back today. Because that's the most important thing. And you know what? The Apostle Paul wrote it like this to the church in Thessalonica. Listen, listen to what he said to, the, to Christian people. He said, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. 
and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And that's what he says. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. He says, Jesus is coming back. It's comfort to us. We are comforted today. We are strengthened today by fixing our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation, the return of Jesus Christ. Our living Savior is returning to us one of these days. Friends, living in that reality gives us what we need today. It strengthens our soul. It encourages our heart. It focuses our minds on what is of greatest importance. Can you see how Peter is addressing the development of our interior lives? He said, here's the building block. Stand on these truths. Now you're going to move forward. How are you going to move forward into, into who you are? And he says, let's talk about your interior life first. And he says, listen, think about what you think on. Have an attitude that's sober-minded. Don't dull your life. And put your hope in the right things. He says, work on the interior. He's doing this because he knows if our interior life is right, then what we say in the beginning? Then our exterior life will develop properly. Friends, that's what he's dealing with then in verses 14 through 16. Our exterior life, our behavior, how they are formed and they are based upon what happens on the inside. Look at verses 14 to 16 again. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. And friends, let's stop it for a second. I didn't plan on saying this, but I said this conversation with somebody about this. It was all mad because people were acting, lost people were acting a certain way. It's a political conversation. And I finally, it's a guy I led to the Lord 30 years ago. I finally just say, stop it. They don't know better. They don't have Jesus. You're expecting them to think like Jesus and they don't know Jesus. He's saying here, you did a lot of stuff in ignorance before you knew Jesus. Stop being mad at them because they don't know any better. They need Jesus so they can see clearly. As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Peter is saying, right living flows from right being. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And who are we to be on the outside? Holy people. He says, like, like God is holy. We should be holy like God is holy. And understand what Peter is getting at here through, through this idea of holiness. It's not about external behavior modification. Just try really hard to do these six things right. And then you can become a member of the church. You know, it's kind of how we approach the world. Do this, don't do that, because I said so. No. Peter's saying it's an outflow of the heart. If your heart is right with Jesus, walking close with Jesus, then you want to live like Jesus because Jesus is the exact example, representation, revelation of God. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we see, look at Jesus. If we spend time with Jesus, we will want to become like Jesus. It's an inside-out reality. As obedient children, as God's children, those he loves, those that, who love him, he says, listen, become like me. Be holy as I am holy. And look at what Peter says that's involved with this, about becoming holy. He says, do not be and be. Look at Do not be 
like you were before you knew Jesus. Right? Do not be like you were before. Do not be conformed to the former lusts. But then he says, and do be holy like God is holy. Be like Jesus. In other words, as we develop in Christ's likeness, things of our life before Jesus are to fall away. And I would say this, Paul says this in other places, are to be put away. It does take effort. We're involved in this situation. They just fall off like apples falling off a tree when you're ripe. He says, put them away, put off certain things, put on certain things, but they will begin to be put away. And the things of Jesus then we begin to put on and adopt into our life. You know, I don't need to make a list of all the things we should put away, do I? Things we don't do and do? You know, lying and gossip and unforgiveness and, 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 and cheating and stealing and pornography and, and partying and all those things that we did in our ignorance. Peter is saying that if you get your heart and mind in a good place with Jesus, then you will want these things to go away and you'll want, you, don't want, you want to put those away. Do not be like that anymore. There's a lot of things I did before I don't want to do anymore. When I was cutting the grass and those negative thoughts in my mind, I was being like I used to be. And I'm like, I don't want to be that way anymore. Holiness is simply about letting go of that old junk and spending enough time with Jesus that his character rubs off on us so that we want to become like him. Enough time in his word, enough time sitting with him, being open to him, praying, um, meditating on his word, so that as we, we look at him, we celebrate him, we get to know him more. God, by the Spirit, reveals Jesus to us more. We're like, I'm drawn to that like a moth to a flame. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. There's some junk that needs to fall away. He'll empower us to do it. We just say, I want it gone. Can you see how this is an inside-out job? Spend time on the interior life of being with Jesus and the exterior will follow. That's the point. Yes, we're involved. You have to make choices. I have to, um, I have to know that behavior matters. That's one of the things in this culture we have to still say in the church world because it's not believing anymore. Behavior does matter. He does say do and don't do or be and don't be. Saying being holy Behavior matters, but how do we get to the right behavior? It's by having the right heart. You know, I had to say, my heart's not so good because I'm cutting the grass and I'm thinking about this thought. I really don't want to do that. And it's not glorifying to God. So what can I do to take that, make that change? That's the process of how we become more like Jesus. Holiness flows from the heart. And I would say this as we close. If you are struggling with sin, and we all do, but if you're struggling, as we're talking, you're struggling with sin, you're thinking about things, I'd say this, the way to do it, the way to handle it, is to check your heart. Check your relationship with Jesus. If sin is a problem, instead of just saying, you know, don't do it, Mark, don't do it. Instead, look at your relationship with Jesus. And say, how am I becoming more like Jesus? How am I spending time with Jesus? I spend time with Jesus. I want to become like him. So friends, are you struggling? Be honest with yourself today. I challenge you to do this. Take some time today. Take some time before you ever leave this building today and open up your heart to Jesus. Spend some time with him saying, God, I just want to become more like you.
spend some time in prayer and kneel at these altars as the worship music is being played and say, I just want to become like you. I want this old junk to fall away. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, here's our hope today. Here's our prayer today that we would ever draw closer to you. That we would know you more. That we'd see you more clearly. Lord, the world is so confusing. But you've given us the gift of your word. To see who you are and how you think and what your values are. Lord, we want to, we want to spend so much time with you. You've given us your spirit. To make your word alive and to speak into our hearts and our souls. Lord, we'd ask today that, Lord, as we would just want to spend more time with you, that, Lord, you'd help us to see you, be amazed by you, be drawn to you. Because then we would just want to be like you, not to keep a list of rules. We'll want to be like you. So today, Lord, help our hearts, our minds to have a clearer glimpse of you. To see you more clearly, to know you more dearly. Lord, help us on the inside so that then we're empowered on the outside. And Lord, for anyone in this place this morning that's just saying they know without a doubt the Spirit of the Lord is just speaking to them right now about something in their life, something that you want to fall away. It's something probably from the old life. That Lord, you show them today as they draw close to you how you're going to help them to put that thing aside and become more like you. The activity of your Spirit in their soul. Show them it this morning, Lord. As we're praying together, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, just because we want privacy for each other. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online. We're talking about becoming more like Jesus and spending time with Jesus and getting to know Jesus more. And you say, I've never, I don't have any kind of relationship with Jesus. As far as I know, Jesus is a curse word. something's happening inside of you today something deep inside you is happening today and you're saying this is what I need I didn't even know I needed something but this is what I need I need Jesus in my life I need my sins forgiven I need to become a different person I need my junk to fall away and I know I can't do it on my own I've tried and I recognize today because something's happening inside my soul that I need Jesus. Well, friend, that something that's happening down inside of you is the Spirit of God calling you by name, telling you that He loves you, that He wants you in His family. If you're here today or you're watching online and you say, you know what, Pastor Mark, I don't know a lot about it, but I know that I need Jesus. And today I want to I I ask Him into my life. I'm going to ask Him to change me. 
that's you today, I want you to do something bold between you and me and God because no one else is looking around. I want you to raise up your hand. When I see it, I'm going to tell you to put it down. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you. Just slip it up nice and high. I, want to, I just want to see it. I want to say yes. I want to pray for you. Okay. Can you put your hand down? All right. Anybody else? Okay. All right. If you're online, do it today. I want all of us, you can put your hands down. I want all of us today, the whole congregation this morning, to pray together. We're going to pray out loud. Many of you have prayed a prayer just like this. No magic words. Just talking to God. But we're going to all talk to God together. We're going to do it so that you, those who raise your hands here and online, you can just say this with us and mean it from your heart. We're, just, we're going to pray. We're, the prayer is just talking to God. So pray with me this morning. Let's pray out loud. Dear Jesus, I need you. I can't do it on my own. So today, I turn to you. I ask you to hold me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to make me a brand new person. On this day, I invite you to come into my life. Make me brand new. Wipe away my past and help me have a fresh start. So from this day forward, I want to walk with you. Teach me what that's about. Fill me with your presence. Jesus, today, I welcome you as my Savior.